Uh, Take a look at your finances. You control them. Don't let them control you. I look out the window and I see in the fall how the leaves fly by. And I think, well, there go my my years. It just, they've just flown by. Keep busy and keep moving. Keep keep ahead of the Grim Reaper. Hello and welcome to Elder Wisdom, stories from the Green Bench, the now award-winning podcast from Memory Tree, made possible by the people at Schlegel Long-Term Care and Retirement Villages. I'm Erin Davis, so pleased to be one of your hosts. And when I talk about Schlegel, I don't just mean Ron and his family, those Schlegels. I mean the residents, the staff workers who are like family, the whole village of people of hearts that it takes to make communities like the ones at Schlegel. Like our guest, Evelyn Brindle. She resides with her husband, David, at the village of Aaron Meadows in Mississauga. And it's from there that we're joined by Evelyn today. And of course, I'm accompanied here by my co-host, Doug Robinson. Doug lives in villages of Sandalwood in Brampton. And we don't usually do cliffhangers, but in our previous episode with Shirley, I asked her a question and I promised I'd follow up with Doug. So here we go. Doug, before we get to our very special guest, Evelyn Brindle, I promised at the end of our last get-together here on the Green Bench that I was going to ask you this, and I asked it of Shirley, our guest, because she is such a great public speaker. If you had to stand up at a podium with no notice and talk for five minutes on one topic, Doug, what would it be? It would definitely be the Green Bench. Oh. Yes. Since the last few months... uh, the Green Benches came into my life. It's one of the most enjoyable things that I look forward to, to sit down and meet interesting people. And then I can reminisce about what I learned from these people. And I think it's just a fantastic idea. Wonderful. Well, now that you have just set the table for the perfect introduction to Evelyn, let's introduce everyone to another fascinating person. And she lives in the village of Aaron Meadows in Mississauga. And we're so glad that we have you at the microphone with us today for a nice visit on the green bench. Hi, Evelyn. Hello. Thanks for calling me fascinating. I'm not quite sure I live up to that, but thank you. Uh, well, you know, we, we do our research, thanks to Melinda, and there are so many different facets. And Doug will find this, too. If you just stop and talk with somebody, everybody's got a story. You don't have to have a movie of the week made of you. No. Or even a book written about you. And I happen to know you're both voracious readers. So if I may, I'm going to let Doug sort of go into the book part of our chat here today because Doug was in isolation and he found himself doing quite a bit of reading, didn't you, Doug? Yes, I sure did. Evelyn, I, I was in isolation for 14 days. I, I read three books. Uh, one was John LeClaire, 300 pages. A David Baldacci with 400 pages and Ken Follett with 800 pages. And it certainly helped me pass those horrible two weeks of 
away faster than I if I hadn't have been reading. Well, a good book can do that. Yep. Especially a book. It's an experience I think more people are losing these days, unfortunately. Yep. My uh, wife, uh, we've been married 62 years. Uh, she has Alzheimer's now. But when we when we were living in our house, my wife went to Coles every week and bought a book. Every week. She never missed. She had certain authors that she liked and she'd sit there in the garden and read her book. She loved her book, my wife. And it's one of the interesting things here at Erin Meadows that we have uh, is the library that we have here and the continuous increase in the numbers of books that are brought in or donated by various residents when they arrive or when they get a special gift. And uh, it's so well used, which is great. We have a library here too. And what I do, I sign my books with the date and what have you, and my name and room number on them. And then I put the books into the library so that years down, People would pick up the book and say, oh, this was donated by Doug in 1928 or whatever it is. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Very good. You've always been a big fan of encouraging reading, too, I understand, Evelyn. And holding a B.A. in liberal arts, English and journalism and a master's in journalism, there's no wonder. And we will get to that. But you always would kind of sneak a book into your grandkids' stockings at Christmas in case Santa (laughs) hadn't done the job. Why would you do that? Did it work? Uh, yes uh, and no. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay. Um, they would love the books at that time. And, of course, we'd often read them as well. Uh, actually, a couple of the favorites that um, the girls particularly liked were books that my husband's mother had oh. and passed on to us. She used to read them to them when we would visit. And um, I still have them. Uh, pass them on to my granddaughter, who will hopefully read it to her child one day. Um, but it's it's so important to have that ability to read and to enjoy what you're reading. And I found that all the way through. Of course, when I was uh, young, my, my favorite author was Louisa May Alcott. Of course. And uh, Little Women has always been one of the outstanding favorites that I often read. read. Uh, I know the movies are out there, but uh, the book is much better. Evelyn? Yes? Uh, what advice would you give to the younger listeners to encourage them to put down their cell phones and devices and pick up a book or spend the afternoon in a library? Uh, That's very hard to do with the younger generation. (laughs) Quite Uh, true. Unfortunately, uh, yeah, it's uh, not not easy. I I found that with uh, many children, even though they live in a house with, a lot of opportunities to read books or have books around. The The in, interest there is not that good. There's too many things to take, distracting them. And uh, getting it in a, as few words as possible <laughs> seems to be the most important thing. It's true. 
we have to adapt to it and accept it uh, to a certain degree and, and just, you know, give everyone the encouragement to try this out as if it's a, a new form. And uh, they, I do. I pass things on to them. And some things they surprisingly come back and say they've enjoyed it. So you just have to keep trying and pushing. I, I've adapted to a little bit to today's way of life. I, I can now text my relatives in England. <laughs> And it's it's quite interesting, you know, uh, once a month, text a little message, tell them uh, about life here and that, and they'll text me back what's going on in England, and, you know, uh, at at the beginning, I never even had a cell phone, I was (laughs) anti-technology. And look at you now, Doug, you're hosting a podcast, for crying out loud, that can be heard by anyone with a device around the world. So it's all embracing, it's the love and the shove of the whole tech thing. And one of the things I want to talk with you about, Evelyn, is the critical thinking, and that's part of what's been lost with a lack of education. But let's turn this into a positive, because here we are, you have two daughters, four grandchildren, And of your two daughters, one lives close by, thank goodness, but the other one is half a world away, and she's lived there for 25 years. So let's talk about how you are able to be in touch with your daughter in Hong Kong, thanks to today's technology, plus what you have seen develop in the last 25 years in terms of being in touch. That's true, because uh, the only way we ever stayed in touch before, uh, Karen left uh, was by writing letters or phone calls Mm. and uh, phone calls of course at that time it's very expensive so we were limited but today with everything out here uh, you know Doug mentioned texting which is very common uh, these days we've got FaceTime, Facebook, uh, WhatsApp uh, any kind of messenger, I mean, every kind of way to keep in touch. And the other good thing about it today is that you can do it with a whole group. Like we have a, one of them where everyone in the family can post one thing and everybody's aware of it. So it's uh, technology has come and been very beneficial in that way. Evelyn, you uh, believe that travel is very important. Have you ever travelled to Hong Kong? Oh yes, quite a few times. Yeah. Could could you tell us a little bit about Hong Kong? When we've been had the opportunity to go there, uh, it's a fabulous city. Uh, very very energetic. Uh, very fascinating, interesting, the people, the food, the experiences, the way of life there, that it's it's just been a, a wonderful experience for us. And I remember the first time we, Dave and I went to visit Karen, it was uh, oh, about a, almost a year after she had gone there. And we went to see, because I, as a mother, I was concerned. Uh, it was a long way away, a strange, you know, city and everything else. Um, but we found that she, Karen had adopted and been adopted 
by a lot of the expats there who formed their own family. And um, it's always been a very safe city, um, much more so than here, a very bustling city. And the first time we visited her, we stayed in her apartment. And the first morning, uh, around four in the morning, I this was in the central part of Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. And uh, the first morning I started hearing just get, at four in the morning, her duck quacks. And I, I thought, something's wrong. I mean, where would I hear that? What was wrong with me? <laughs> because we had just flown over. And then I found out from her when I mentioned it to her that there was a market just across the street from her building where the farmers would all bring in fresh chickens and live chickens and ducks and seafood and everything else to sell there. So really were ducks right there, which you wouldn't expect. And you weren't going to be hearing them for very long either. (laughs) No. Peking duck for you, my friend. So did your daughter, is she fluent? She and her husband, are they fluent in Cantonese? Or did you pick up any while you were there? Uh, No, we were not there long enough uh, to really understand that. Although the majority of the people did speak English, so it wasn't always necessary. Uh, Karen had picked up a little bit of uh, candories or Mandarin, but it's the boys who went to school there uh, who really have studied it and uh, have picked up quite a bit of the language, both in oh. writing and speaking. And uh, wow. How both. interesting. Yeah, they've, they've, they've enjoyed it and uh, really have done very well. A better, much better school system there as well. Uh, the the both of the boys, uh, by far, had a better education than here or in the United States. I would say. Is it based on the British system? Uh, pretty much, uh, although they went to the Canadian school there, ah. and. Uh, they had a lot of uh, teachers from Canada, as well as teachers there from uh, Hong Kong or China. Okay. And uh, very international, uh, both as far as the faculty there was concerned and the students. So uh, it, it, it was really a, a terrific program and terrific school. Uh, very, very nice at that time. Excellent. It's, been a good experience all the way around uh, for them and for us too. It gives you so much perspective, so much enrichment, and no better example in your life that we can cite than your visit to Poland. Oh, yes. You being of Polish descent, yes. So would you talk about that when you and your husband went to Poland? What made you want to and your experiences there, Evelyn? Well, I know the family all came from from there, and I wanted to see what you know it it was like to at least see the country with I came normally came from, uh, and that was um, a great experience. It was a bus trip, so we visited all through the country, and just uh, being able, which was surprising, I. I 
refreshed my Polish language while I was there. And uh, that was great. It came back to me after so many years. I was able to uh, communicate with a number of people and at least get through ordering uh, in the restaurant or buying something as well. And uh, it it was just um, perfect. A beautiful country, a lot of uh, lovely, lovely cities. Um, it the seeing them, uh, particularly Warsaw or Krakow, mm. uh, the devotion, the love of their culture, and rebuilding so much of the cities after World War II's destruction of them, uh, it was absolutely amazing. I, I, and you sort of really felt that this is what a country should be. Uh, they, they really loved what they had and their history, and which many times was very, very difficult. Uh, the other part of uh, the trip, uh, seeing the concentration camps, going through and touring them, uh, something I believe that everyone should really see. It, it really uh, tore my heart. Uh, it, it, it was to see that people could treat others in that kind of situation and do that to so many millions of people uh, was beyond belief. And, and uh, I still think about that time that we went through it and really appreciate the fact that, you know, all these people gave their lives and that uh, we don't really appreciate all of that today especially in the situations that we're going through, uh, you know. I'm originally uh, born in the U.S., so I'm a dual citizen. Mm, and, yeah. and seeing what's going on in the United States these days is, really affects me considerably. Well, the, the rise of Nazi flags and people Definitely. who, like, flat-out deny things like the Holocaust happening and it's, it's just such an affront to everything, to all the critical thinking that I, I promised we would get back to when we were talking about it earlier. And that's part of an education, isn't it? And that's where books come in, you know? Yeah. Books, newspapers. Uh, yeah. I mean, we have all the media. And the, the, the sad part of it today is the fact that so much of our news is disappearing Oh, the newspapers. Oh, my gosh, yes. Community newspapers were so important. I, I started out in a community newspaper, and I've seen how important they were, you know, to the local area. They are. And to see them disappearing now and, and people not even wanting to read a newspaper yeah. Who else held city council's feet to the fire, if not the newspapers and the local journalists, as you yourself were? That's right. You know, I used to cover like city councils and zoning commissions and a lot of the 
stuff that was sort of boring for other people, but you learned a lot from that. And yeah. you, you knew what was going on in the area and you were able to keep the local people who were in office in, in touch and, yep. you know, follow the right path. And things have developed through those years. Yeah. Uh, even the fact that you would have uh, local obituaries, birth announcements. Of course. You know, it was all about community. Yes. Uh, Evelyn, what was your favorite story to report on? Oh, I... Don't know that there would be a favorite story per se. You know, the roles there or the openings for women, particularly when they were starting out, were very limited. Yeah. You had the food pages and then the social stuff. The fashions. Yes. Oh, yes. And uh, yeah, the newspapers were very limited. Mm. And um, as far as women's roles were concerned. But I do have to ask, and knowing what you were going into at that time that you went to journalism school, why would you go into it? What what made you want to? Who was your inspiration or what pushed you into that education? Basically, when I was in college, I had um, one teacher, uh, a very pushy, <laughs> small nun, um, Felicia Nunn, who uh, was involved in English and journalism there at school. And um, I was taking, of course, I was in the English uh, classes a lot and then uh, encouraged me to try the journalism, which I did, and then was editor for a couple of years of the uh, school paper. And uh, doing the working on the school paper was... Uh, the thing that triggered everything, uh, because you had to do everything. Uh, you know, you had to find the stories, come up with them, write them, edit them, and put everything together. The old-fashioned way, it was all done by letterpress, of yep, course. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> so you got your hands dirty sometimes that way, too, and... Uh, yeah, that was that was it. Uh, I was fascinated with it. Uh, I was good at it. I enjoyed it a lot, and uh, that made uh, the thing I wanted to do more. And Evelyn, where did you meet your husband on this journey? In Detroit. Uh, there were a number of groups around in the, in the city for university and college graduates that was one of the ways people would meet each other back then and um, my sister found out that there was a group called the university club and decided that we would both go and see what that was like and uh, it was in february uh so we went and i didn't meet dave that night and he uh, took us, walked us out to the car that had been snowing while we were inside. Oh. And he cleared off the windshield and everything and was very kind and very nice and uh, never asked for a name or phone number. So we took off and I said, okay, well, that was 
nice. <laughs> I didn't expect to run into him again or see him again. So, that, you know, we sort of thought, okay. But uh, a few months later, we went back again, and uh, there he was. So that time he asked me out, and uh, then did everything developed, and we, uh, yeah, got married. And it was, uh, well, it'll be 58 years this year that we oh. are married. They had a most interesting uh, honeymoon, though, I must say. Oh, we're all ears. <laughs> Tell us more. Yes, spill the tea, Evelyn. We're listening. <laughs> well, at that time, there weren't very many places to go as far as, you know, locally you could. Well, this was November that we oh. got married. Yeah, so, so Niagara Falls was kind of out of the question. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. And uh, so the only place that was around that was sort of warm was uh, either Florida or the Bahamas. So mm -hmm. uh, we were told, we were, it was suggested by a couple of friends, and NASA is really nice at that time of the year, and you'll enjoy it. So that's where we went for the week. Well, we flew from Detroit early in the morning uh, to Miami mm -hmm. to catch the plane to NASA, and uh, middle of the flight, was a big storm and uh, lightning and thunder and the plane was shaking from side to side. They didn't have the covered shelves up above, so everything was flying out of the oh. <laughs> suitcases, brooms, whatever everybody was taking back was, oh, oh, just coming out. And I thought, well, this is going to be... A Short honeymoon. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, it was quite frightening. And then we we landed. Of course, we were about uh, oh, a block away from the uh, terminal. <laughs> and it was pouring rain. So they came out with some umbrellas. But uh, and it, it was very late at night. So, you know, the rum drinks were not something anyone was really interested in. But then we got to the hotel, and they didn't have or couldn't find a reservation, they said. So we had to argue that one for quite a while, and finally they took us to a room. And the gentleman opened the door, and the room looked like it had an orgy for two weeks ah. in it. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it was, it, it was bottles and everything piled all over. Oh, so Lord. first we said, forget that. And then the next uh, room they, they took us to, uh, we get, went to the washroom and uh, a bunch of cockroaches were there. And I said, nope, I'm not staying here. So... Dave went to go down to the desk and complain and get another room, and the handle came off in his hand. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so there we were. So we finally uh, got a hold of them, and they, they took us to the newly built section uh, of the hotel and said, well, 
can only stay here till tomorrow until we contact your agency. But we stayed there the rest of the week. Everything was put around. But that oh. the first day was quite interesting, I must say. Well, <laughs> I guess. Almost had your wedding announcement as a two-for-one with an obituary. <laughs> Nobody wants that, Evelyn. Nope. Oh, I, I would love to end with that story, but there is one yet to tell mm-hmm. before we go. And that is about your dear husband, Dave's dementia, other health issues. He's there with you at Aaron Meadows. But I need you to share with us what reading has done for him and with him since his dementia diagnosis. I think that this is just fascinating. Uh, yes, it's, it's been. When Dave first came here, um, he was a d- totally different person. Uh, But suddenly, uh, at at one point, he found that um, looking at the newspaper was something that he enjoyed. And of course, he had for many, many years. At first, he would just sort of look at things and flip it. He wasn't really reading because he had lost that for that time. And uh, but turning the papers and so on went through, and we would discuss some things if he saw a picture or something that drew his interest. And uh, eventually, he got back to actually reading things and discussing them with me, and then uh, got into books. And he's been reading uh, a lot of books right now. Uh, one after oh, how the wonderful. other and enjoying them. How then, wonderful. Yeah, it's been great uh, to have reclaimed that part of it, uh, all of it. I mean, it, it, right now he's in a very good stage. Uh, he has prob- some problems, of course, but uh, overall uh, he's uh, pretty much back to close to being where he was initially before any of this happened. And hoping that it will continue to last and, you know, the rest of whatever times we have together. But uh, it's been sort of a short miracle, I guess, and, and very happy to see and to be able to have that, to experience this again with him and to share so many things with them again. It's very rare for that to happen. Oh, definitely. Not many people come out of that. No, no. And um, in that respect, we're both very blessed that this this has been because it was a really difficult time going through his initial diagnosis and uh, for him and, and, you know, for me, just trying to, to cope uh, a lot of, lot of falls, a lot of health situations that we're totally unaware of and unexpected. And he's always been a very ha- healthy and uh, active guy. And uh, I'm glad to see you, him, you know, reading papers. We get the star every day. And uh, now I've, I've just added on the New York Times section that they have on Sundays with the star and he's enjoying that again because that New York Times was a weekly thing that he always had to have. So uh, this is this has been something giving him some further enjoyment and uh, really in, 
loving to do it again. Wonderful. I said off the top, Evelyn, that you were going to be fascinating, and you absolutely lived up to my rather lofty billing. You did in more ways than one, and if we were going to write a book about you, it would be, of course, a memoir or a biography, but I don't know if it would be romance, inspiration, travel, or all of it rolled into one, education too. So thank you so much for adding another amazing chapter to our stories from the Green Bench. We are so grateful. Well, thank you, Erin, for asking me and and uh, listening to my prattle here. <laughs> prattle? I, I no, absolutely not. Right, Doug? That was the most interesting time I spent in a long while. Thank you, Evelyn. Well, thank you both, and I appreciate that very, very much. And we appreciate you as well as your recreation supervisor, Annabelle Cruz. Thank you, Annabelle, for making. She is indeed. And of course, Ted, who is there keeping Doug in line as best we can and hydrated with whatever Doug puts in his tea. Thank you so much, everyone. We'll talk to you again next time. Well, that's it for this time, but please subscribe for additional episodes of this Elder Wisdom podcast. You'll be notified just as soon as they're up. And you can share your thoughts and opinions on social media using hashtag Elder Wisdom to help everybody find us on this green bench. And if you would, please take a moment to rate and review the Elder Wisdom podcast. And if it's easier, go to elderwisdom.ca to find the link. While you're there, be sure and sign the Elder Wisdom Pledge. And on behalf of Doug Robinson, I'm Erin Davis, and we thank you for sharing in these life stories. We'll talk to you again soon, because your seat on the green bench is ready and waiting. Elder Wisdom, Stories from the Green Bench, is brought to you by Schlegel Villages, a complete continuum of care, offering independent living to long-term care, celebrating and honoring the wisdom of the elder. To learn more about us, please go to our website, schlegelvillages.com.